Amen. Amen. So glad you're here with us today to uh, worship together during this time of the year. What a beautiful time. We've been thinking about the majesty of Christmas this year. And when we do, we're thinking about Jesus. There's a lot of great things about Christmas. There's the food, there's the gifts, there's family, there's friends, there's going to see Christmas lights, there's shopping and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, the true majesty of Christmas is Jesus. The fact that eternity would be embodied in flesh and blood to come here to pay our sin debt, but to also make it possible for us to have eternity in our hearts. That's majesty. Only a king, the king of all kings, could do something like that. We're in a passage this uh, December, Hebrews chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, if you've got a Bible app, go ahead and turn there. Join me. You can uh, follow along on screen. You can follow along in your Bible, your app, whatever you've got. Feel free to take pictures of the screen today. If that's how you're uh, taking notes, you're welcome to. That won't bother us a bit. So in Hebrews chapter 1, it's kind of one of these uh, non-traditional Christmas passages, but it is a passage that just shows the wonder of who Jesus is is. And it takes a perspective, an angle on the Christmas story that's a little different. It's not the perspective of Mary. It's not the perspective of Joseph. It's not the perspective of the shepherds or the wise men. It's the perspective of heaven. Heaven sees Christmas in a different way. So in Hebrews chapter 1, it explains the wonder and the glory about what God has done in giving us his son. So let's look at the first verses there from Hebrews chapter 1. It says in verse 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So in the Old Testament, there are a lot of different ways that God spoke. Sometimes it was through a burning bush. Sometimes it was through a flood. Sometimes it was through Jeremiah. Sometimes it was through Isaiah. We could go on with countless stories of the ways God spoke in various ways, in various times past. But this passage says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The story is complete. Every story in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. And as we've been saying, if you really want to understand the Old Testament, you've got to interpret it in light of every one of those being a picture of Jesus. When you do, the Old Testament makes sense. If you don't, it just seems like a confusing array of stories. This passage says, God has spoken in these last days to us, to us. He has a message for us, and that message comes in the form of his son. The next part of verse 2 says this, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Well, the first week we saw the wonder of just this verse right here. That here Jesus is the, the one that all things were created through. The Father and the Son, there at the beginning of creation as we know it. And the Father is creating through the Son all things. And we've really driven home this point that in the beginning, God was not alone, scared, and afraid. He wasn't lonely. He wasn't in need of fellowship. The Bible makes it clear that Father, Son, and Spirit existed before there was creation. They have always existed. They have existed in eternity, and they exist in fellowship with one another. 
They're not afraid. They're not scared. They're like, oh, we got to have somebody to be with us. It's lonely and dark out here. As if God would have that voice. So <laughs> they did not create because they needed something. The Bible's clear. He needs nothing. In fact, he overflows with life. So when he does create, he creates out of all that's within him. He creates out of the overflow that's within him, out of all the joy, the power, the righteousness, the glory, the majesty, out of all of that, out of his love, out of his grace, out of his holiness, he creates. And Jesus is the one he creates through. And he says Jesus is the one that it's all going to. It came through him, and he is the heir. He's the receiver of all things. Yeah, that was two weeks ago, and it was a glorious day. Let's go on in the passage here because it also said this, we saw this last week, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. We saw last week about how Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. There's a lot of things about God that are glorious, but this passage says that Jesus is the brightness of his glory, and he's also the express image of his person. The Bible's clear that no one has seen God at any time, but God clothed himself in flesh so that we might see him. And Jesus is the express, perfect, identical image of the Father. He is not the um, good cop of the bad cop side of God, right? Some people think that. They think the Old Testament's bad cop, New Testament good cop. That's not how it is. God is one. He is three, but he is one, and when he wanted to express himself, he did so in the form of Jesus. And Jesus is the exact physical image of the Father. He's the express image of his heart. All his longings, all of his desires are wrapped up in Jesus. So the last part of this verse is where we're going to camp out today. He says, and upholding all things by the word of his power. You see, this passage is just lifting up Jesus. It's just telling about the greatness of who he is before he ever came here to planet Earth. And this verse says, he is upholding all things by the word of his power. In other words, he is before all things. He is the one who has spoken all things. And he is upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, you might think, looking at the verse, you think, well, is that a typo or something? Did you mistype that? Shouldn't it be by the power of his word? Could be. His word does have power. His word is alive. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. But I'm going to tell you what. His word comes from his heart. His word comes from his power within him. And when he speaks, it is powerful. It has the power to change lives. And he is upholding things, all things, this passage says. Not some things, not a few things, not just the people who go to church. Uh-oh. Not just the good things that are happening today. He is upholding how many things? All. All things by the word of his power. So I want us to drill into this verse today, and we're going to see some majestic things about Jesus, some powerful things about Jesus and his impact into even our life today. Wow. Jesus is the one who was there in the beginning of creation. He was the one through whom the Father worked. He was right there beside the Father, the Proverbs say, like a master craftsman. Now, what's fascinating about God in the way he creates, when we first see him in Scripture creating, he does so 
by speaking. Now, this is something you and I can't really understand. We do not speak things into existence, right? If we want something, we have to get the supplies, we have to find them or purchase them, and we have to assemble them. We have to work to make them happen. You didn't just go into your living room in earlier in December and say, decorate. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be awesome? You just say, decorate. Lights. Ornaments. And that would be awesome, wouldn't it? But no, you have to do the work. You got to go up in the attic, get the boxes down. You got to open them up and say, where do all that stuff go? I pack. And you look and you look for it and you spend a lot longer than you wanted to. And you realize you got to go out and get some more stuff to decorate. It just takes a long time. to. Do. You have to do the work. That's the way it happens here on planet Earth today. If you want something, you have to do the work for it. That's how you and I operate. You have to work to get it, right? But God does something different. When he wants to create, he just speaks. He just pushes the breath past his lips. And whatever he speaks happens. It comes into existence. And I don't mean little things. I mean huge things, powerful things. In Genesis 1... It says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. It didn't sneak up on the scene. It didn't slowly evolve into light. It came light. It was there. He didn't have to go to Walmart to get it. He didn't have to work hard to shape it. He just spoke it. Let there be light. And there was light. It just happened because he spoke it. And you continue reading on through Genesis, and you find that creation was formed by his word. He spoke, and it came into existence. Where there was nothing, there all of a sudden was something. Where there was void, there all of a sudden was creation. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand That the ages were framed by a word of God. So that the things being not to have come into being out of the things that appear. Well, that's interesting. Let's look at Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He just spoke, and what we know of as the universe, I'm not talking about just planet Earth. I'm talking about the universe, the breadth of it, the scale of it, the vastness of it came into being with just a word. Earth, in all of its day and night, its seasons, its tides, its moon, its temperatures, the process of growth, seed planting, bearing life, fruit, the seas, all the life that's in the sea, life that's in the air, it just comes into existence by a spoken word from God. All that is 
unseen today also came into existence by a word from God. He has spoken what we see and what we don't see. Whether that be gravity, that's something we don't see, but he spoke that into existence. Or whether it be the unseen realm of angels and principalities and powers, he speaks all of these into existence. He is the creator of all things. And then he's been so gracious to give us some visuals to just somehow grasp some of the vastness of who he is. You take the universe, for example. You take just our solar system, our sun, our planets, our moons, our stars, but just travel out a little further than that if your mind will allow that, where you have other planets, other stars. You begin to see nebulae, you begin to see space in its vast depth. You see all of this, and you see that God just spoke, and it came into existence. It came into being. Now, I looked this past week for a great video to try to show something about the vastness of our universe. And people on earth have done their best to try to understand what's out there. So I've got a video I want to show you. Um, I'll just admit right away, it is not, um, it's not going to do glory to the glory. All right? I'm not sure there is one that exists today. This one's from BuzzFeed. And think what you want about BuzzFeed. It shows in this video a little bit of a snapshot to help us get a grasp of the vastness of what God has created. Check it out.
Are you in a little bit of awe right now at what God has done? And to think that the scripture says he appoints the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. This God is powerful, bigger than our minds can conceive. You try in your best imagination to imagine the scale and the scope of God, and you'll come short every time. And to think that He has created all of this, and we would be part of the plan. It's why the Bible and the Psalms say, what is man that you are mindful of him in light of all that you've done? And here God speaks all of this into existence. It is how they were formed. He spoke and said, let there be. And there was. They didn't slide into their positions, fade into their positions, evolve into their positions. They existed because he spoke them. And many tried to explain away a God who could do such. And you might come up with some kind of big bang theory that caused our small corner of the universe to come into existence. But I'm going to tell you what. From what we just witnessed, and that was just a portion, it would take a mighty powerful bang to create all of that. But the only bang that was required is the one that said, let it be. And it was. Wow. This is our God. He speaks, and things come into existence. And they come into existence fully formed in their maturity in their fullness. They come into design with stunning wonder and beauty. The universe didn't start off ugly and get pretty. It started pretty. It started majestic. It started flawless with design and intent and purpose and the days numbered and God intimately knowing every dimension of it, every star, every element of it. He knows it by name. He has intricate knowledge of it all. This is how God creates. He speaks into the void. He speaks into the chaos. He speaks into the nothingness. He speaks into the darkness and it is formed. There is light because he says, let there be light. And we've just seen a physical picture of a spiritual truth. I've gone to great lengths to drive home this point that when God speaks, it comes into existence. When he speaks into darkness, light comes into existence. Life comes into existence because into our darkened world, and I'm not talking about just physically, now I'm talking about spiritually, into our world filled with sin, filled with selfishness, filled with murder, filled with lust, filled with greed, filled with hate, filled with jealousy, filled with bitterness, into that world of I'll do it, leave me alone, I don't need you, I don't need you, God, into that world, into that darkened world, God spoke in the form of his son. 
Mm, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, it says in the Gospel of John. God spoke into existence his Son, and he came into being in Mary's womb and was birthed into this world. That's how it happened. He spoke it, and it happened. He caused it by his Word. And when Jesus was here on the planet, he kept illustrating the power of his word and the word of his power. He would move about throughout life. He would move about Jerusalem. He would move about and he would see people in need. He would see people who were sick. He would see people who had died and he would speak and there would be life, right? So we have plenty of stories. The story of the centurion's daughter who had died and the centurion sends word to Jesus and says, if you would only speak the word, because I too am a man under authority, if you would just speak the word, I know my daughter would live. And Jesus spoke and his daughter lived. Wow, he just spoke the word and caused it to be. When Jesus is with the disciples on a sea and the sea is stormy, Jesus speaks a word and the elements change. Where there was a storm, there began to be peace because he spoke it into existence. The son of a widow was raised from the dead when Jesus said, Arise. She did. She lived again. Jairus' daughter, he says to her, little girl, arise, and she lives again. Lazarus, when Jesus speaks and says, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus receives life and comes forth. Whenever Jesus speaks, life existed. It came into being. No one worked for it because they had been dead. They just received life. And when Jesus spoke, life came in to people because he is the word that is alive. Amen? Now let's drive it home just a little bit closer here. If you've been around vertical very long, you know this is what we do. We find truth in Scripture we see Jesus in it. We see how he lived it out. And then we, we see what he is saying to us. We make personal application here. So we do it vertical. We want to live the life that's truly vertical. So we make application from God's word. So here we go. Let's make a little bit of application. Jesus speaks into our darkness and new life comes into existence. In the same way God said, let there be light, he says to us in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, we having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You see, into your existence, into your situation where there had been guilt, shame, fear, depression, darkness, uncertainty, doubt, jealousy, anger, bitterness, shame because of your past, Weakness because of your inability to get over what you're going through. Into all of that, Jesus speaks. And he speaks forgiveness to you. And he speaks hope to you. And he speaks peace to you by the cross. He speaks to you and he causes what was not there before to come into existence. Did you know that whenever you believe, the moment you believe, you became a new creation? You didn't just become a better you. 
You didn't just slowly evolve into this Christian person. The Bible says that the moment you believed, the Spirit of God came into you, the Word came into you, and you became a new person, someone you had not been before. In the same way the stars came into existence, boom, when Jesus speaks to us and we believe, we become a new person in that instant. I'm not evolving into it. I'm not oozing into it. I'm not sneaking up on it. I'm not working at it. I am believing, and he is causing it to happen by his word. Amen? Amen? That's what happened the minute you believed. That's your baby picture as a believer. You became, boom, alive by the Spirit of God through a seed that is incorruptible. It does not die. So when Jesus spoke to you, life came into being. Write down this reference, 1 Peter 1, 4. It says, we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. By God's promises, which are his spoken word to us, you became a partaker You became a sharer. You became one who took that in. If Heather's at home and she makes some great Christmas cookies, which she does, I like to sneak into the kitchen before they're ready, before they've even gone into the oven. You know what I'm wanting to do. I'm wanting to get some cookie dough. That's my favorite part. I don't mind the cookies. Those are great, but the cookie dough is better. I'm telling you. I don't know what it is, but it's better. And I'll take the cookie dough over the cookie any day. And I usually have to try to sneak in there to try to get some cookie dough. I usually have to wait till she's distracted by her new puppy or whatever before I can get in there and get some. Sometimes I'll ask, and she'll kindly give me one spoonful. <laughs> it's never enough. I want more than one spoonful. I want to be a partaker Hello? I want to partake of the cookie dough. I want it. I want it in me. And it usually gets there. (laughs) Sometimes not as much as I want. I become a partaker of it in that moment. This verse and the one I just read to you, 1 Peter 1, 4, says that through the word of God, through his word spoken to us, You and I become partakers of his divine nature. I don't become just a partaker of a new set of rules to live by. I don't become a partaker of just a new set of things I'm going to do on Sunday from now on. I become a partaker, a sharer in the very divine nature of God. He, in all his vastness, in all his glory, in all of his majesty and righteousness and holiness and wisdom, allows me to share in the cookie dough. He allows me to be a partaker of him. 
to be in me. His nature in me. The nature that is wise beyond any earthly wisdom. The nature that is pure and holy beyond anything imagined. The nature that is vast in its glory comes to live in me and I get to partake of it, share in it. This is what God does by his word. In fact, to help us with it, the book of Ecclesiastes says that he has put eternity into the hearts of men. Wow. Eternity. Eternity is bigger than what we just watched. That's just what's in the visible creation. Outside of that is where God lives. Mm -hmm. This is the part that starts to hurt your head a little bit. Because we normally think, well, God's out there somewhere, you know, that if we kept going a little bit further, we'd bump into some pearly gates on that video, you know. I'm telling you, you won't. You can travel as far as you want in space, this way, that way, that way, that way. I don't care which way you go. You're not going to bump into God because he lives outside of that. But he lives in the midst of us. And he lives in a kingdom, in a place, in an eternity that's bigger than all of that. And he speaks it all into existence. His word caused it to come to be. That word spoke creation, and that word speaks new creation in here. Amen? As glorious as all that is, that's not all. Because the verse we're looking at today says that he is upholding all things by the word of his power. He is upholding them. He has created them, and he has done so by his word. But Hebrews 1.3 says that he is upholding all things by the word of his power. He's created it. It's coming back to him. And he is currently, actively, presently upholding all things. He has his hands intimately involved in all things. He is not removed from it. He's not far from it. He's not looking and thinking, what are y'all doing over there? He is actively involved in upholding all things. Some people see God as like a watchmaker. And I know we don't have a concept anymore of what a watchmaker is, but it used to be that people handcrafted watches. Can you imagine the intricate detail required? The mechanization of the watch and how minute and careful the craftsman had to work. And he produced this piece that when it was set in motion, it continued. And it was given to a person. And they kept their watch. And the watch kept time. The watch kept moving. It was made by the watchmaker. And you went and did your thing away from the watchmaker. Some people think of God as that. That he set things into motion. Yes, he's wise. Yes, he, did. he had intricate detail in what he designed and what he purposed. But they see him as removed. They see him as outside somewhere far away. And he, like the watchmaker, just sets it in motion and then sets it aside and just sits and watches. 
But Scripture is very clear as it is with this verse. No, he is actively, presently upholding all things by the word of his power. He created all things, and he created them for the Son, and they're going to his Son. Watch this. They're actually created in his Son. Because this is the part that's going to stretch your head a little bit. Stay with me. Don't turn, don't turn me off here. Scripture has principles and truth to it that are bigger than what our minds can conceive. But if we will do the work of faith and trying to believe what he says, it will grow you up. Amen? So let me show you a verse, and then this may make a little bit more sense. So in Colossians 1, it says that, he, Jesus, is the image. I'm going to read the full passage. You've got a partial piece of it here on screen. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And watch this. All things were created through him, and for him, he is before all things. In other words, he sees them. He is present in them. And in him, all things consist. Outside of the physical realm that is massive, there's only one thing. God. God did not create something and set it over here to watch it. Because in eternity, all there is is God. So really what he did, he carved out a place within himself and created eternity. Just let that soak in for just a little bit. It's going to take you a while. It's taken me many years. I'm not even there yet. That God would create in himself all that we know of. And in him all things consist. He holds all things together. Do you know that scientists are baffled by the stars, the planets, the systems, the galaxies, the nebulae? If you look, you did a little Google search and, and ask, what holds stars and planets in place? How do they just stay there? How come they don't just all fall? How come they don't just all drift off? How come they don't just wander off into some place all by themselves? Why do they all have a pattern? Why do they all have a track? Why do they all have a destination? Why do they all have a very predictable circuit that they go? Why can we measure all of that? How can we know all of that? Why are they doing that? In creation, doing all of this, scientists will look at it and say, it's gravity. Gravity holds it all in place. I don't know about you, but gravity doesn't hold me in place when I fall off a ladder. Hello? You know what I'm talking about? If I miss a step right here, I don't just get suspended midair. It doesn't hold me up. It makes me go down. So you can say what you want about how they're all out there. The scripture makes it clear. Jesus is the one that makes them all consist. He upholds them all. He determines their course and their destination and their path and their circuits that they move in. Scientists are also baffled by the micro version of all of that. They're baffled by the atomic structure within us, the atoms, the nuclei. How is it held together? 
Why do they not just bump apart? What makes them stay together? What makes man consist? What makes anything created consist and stay together? Why is a tree still a tree? Why are we still we? How come the atoms are not just bursting out and leaving their course? Because Jesus is the one that holds them all together. And you can search and research and research looking for an answer. But the scripture is the only one that gives that answer. In him, all things consist. He is the one who upholds all things. Psalm 33, 9 says, For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. It remained. It stayed there. It didn't move. It didn't degrade. It didn't go away. It stayed in the purpose and the pattern for which God created it. Psalm 119, 90 and 91 verses. You established the earth and it abides. It stays. They continue this day according to your ordinances for all are your servants. Ooh, he upholds everything in the universe by the word of his power. He is the one that's holding all things together. Now, let's make a little bit more application. If he holds everything out there all together, he holds everything right here all together by the word of his power as well. Look what it says in Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wow. You know, sometimes life seems like it's out of control. And we like to interpret the fact that things aren't going like we want as them being out of control. But just because something isn't going the way you want it doesn't mean it doesn't have design or purpose. Just because it created a little bit of conflict in you doesn't mean it doesn't have design or purpose. Just because it's caused you to be a little uncomfortable, just because it's introduced some pain into your life, just because you can't figure it out does not mean it does not have design and purpose. Jesus knew that. That's why he would say in the garden, not my will, your will be done. He knew the Father had purpose, intent, design. And what he speaks, he speaks with purpose. And what he speaks, he upholds. And so you and I can say, God, this time I'm going through right now is uncomfortable. It's difficult. It's painful. I don't understand it. I don't know what's happening. And we can also say, and I completely trust you with my life. We can do that because he is the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. He has design, he has purpose, and he holds it together. And I may have to wait and pray. 
I may have to seek counsel. I may have to fast. I may have to seek the Lord through Scripture even. It wouldn't be the worst thing. And in it, I will be settled. I come to a place of peace because I know, even though I can't know everything, that he is upholding me by the word of his power. You see, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ today, you are being upheld by the Son to the Father. Sometimes we like to think it's all about us. It's all on us. I've got to make it all happen. If I haven't had a good week, then God's going to you know, diss me and cast me off. Look, your standing before God is not based on how good your week's been. Your standing before God is based on the obedience of Jesus Christ alone. And he is upholding you. He's upholding you by the right hand of his righteousness, his righteous right hand. He is the one upholding you. Don't let the enemy come in and make you doubt, make you be depressed, and make you be discouraged because you had a bad week, because you failed. You turn and point at the cross and say, this is what upholds me. I am upheld by his righteous right hand, not my acts of this past week. Amen? He is the one upholding you. It's not what your boss thinks of you. It's not how many likes you got on social media. It's not how much you're paid. It's not how big your house is. It's not how big your car is or how many cars you've got. That stuff isn't what upholds you. You are upheld by the righteous hand of God himself. He is the one upholding you. Jude, verse 24, says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I'm telling you, you and I are not standing in his presence because we've been good little boys and girls. If we're standing before the Father, it's by faith alone in what Christ has done for us. And he is able to present us there faultless before his throne. And to stand there in humility and in joy is what we do. We rest in that. We are upheld by him. He has the purpose for my life. He is the one that has secured blessings for my life. He is the one that has provision for my life. He is the one who hears every prayer that I pray. He is the one who knows every hurt I have. He is the one who knows every longing I have. And he will be faithful to complete what he has done in you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6 if you're wanting to make a reference. So let me make a few walkaway points for us today. If he is the one who is upholding us as he upholds all things by his righteous right hand, then here's a few things for us today. Point one, God has spoken eternity into your heart. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, I'm not sure you realize what's happened to you. I'm not sure any of us understand the gravity of what has happened to us. That eternity has been spoken into us. That the word that became flesh has come to dwell in us. That the one who created all things has come to dwell in us. That the one who is the heir of all things has come to dwell in us. And we become sharers, partakers in the very divine nature of God. He has spoken eternity into us. Do you know that that's what's happened? Do you know the depth of that? Do you know the breadth of that? 
Do you know the majesty of that? The Bible invites us to swim up into all that and explore all of that, to get on out there and see all the wonders and, and majesty of what that means. You know, we're so busy here on planet Earth trying to figure out what's out there and all the glories and all the majesties and all this, all these you know, galaxies and nebulae and all that stuff. We're trying to figure all that out. But I'm going to tell you what, inside here, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there are treasures beyond compare. And the book of Ephesians calls it the unsearchable riches of Christ. You can search him out for the rest of eternity and not explore the wonders of what he has for us. He spoke an eternity into your heart. Do you know that? Second point. God upholds you by the word of his power. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he is upholding you. Stop your worrying. Stop your fear. Stop your comparisons. Stop your doubt. Stop all the uncertainty. Stop all the half-living. Stop all the questions and believe that he is the one holding you. Let your faith grow in that. Your standing with God is upheld by Christ. Your blessing from God is upheld by Christ. He is upholding you. He is holding you. There's not a word on your tongue that he doesn't already know. There's not a thought in your mind he doesn't already hear. There's nothing that you're going to do that he doesn't already know. And he paid the price for your sin that you might enjoy the wonders of all that's in him to hold you securely, to hold you with peace, to hold you within himself. Do you know the depth of what's been done for you and what is being done for you? Do you know that? Third, final point. God is still speaking. This is not just something happened a long time ago. This is not just Bible time talk. The word of God is alive and it is active and we have read it here today. And he is speaking right now. He's speaking into your heart. I know he is because I don't have to know you to know that he is. I know him and I know that he is. That's the way it works. He's speaking right now. And he's speaking uniquely into every one of our lives. He's speaking into, watch this, the dark places. He's speaking into the chaos places. He's speaking into the void places. He's speaking into the places that don't make sense to you right now. And he is speaking life and light there. He is speaking into existence hope. He is speaking into existence healing. He is speaking into you peace in the midst of your troubles. And I know what you're thinking right now because I'm thinking the same thing. You don't know what I'm going through. And I don't see how it can just be solved with just a that. Well, I have to understand that the worlds were made with just a that. And I have to believe as well that when God says to me, peace, be still, that my response is to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will let your peace reign. I will let what you say be true in me. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to resist it. I'm going to quit trying to figure it all out. 
I can't understand how the worlds were made, and I can't understand how you remake me, but I'm going to listen to what you say. Because I know God is speaking into the dark places right now in this room. He's speaking into some places where you thought you don't have a future anymore. That might be your finances, that might be a marriage, that might be just your own personal life where you can't see where there could be a good future come from it. But I know my God loves to speak into dark places. And he loves to speak things into existence that weren't there before. And if he says, let there be light, then he'll also say, let there be peace. Let there be hope. Let there be love. Let there be acceptance. Let there be grace. Let there be release. Let there be righteousness. Let there be truth. Let there be freedom. Let there be purity. Let there be healing. He speaks all of those things and he speaks them with accuracy and power today. The Christmas story gives us a very powerful and practical example of what happens when God speaks into darkness, when God speaks into the void, when God speaks in a way that seems impossible. Luke chapter 1, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. God spoke into darkness. God spoke into a place where there was nothing. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You talk about news that came to Mary. Good news that came to Mary. Promise that seemed impossible. Ideas that seemed unfathomable. And God is speaking them. And it says the angel... It says that Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? How in the world can this come to be? I don't understand how you could bring this about, God. I can't figure it out. It doesn't seem physically possible that I could have a son when I haven't been with a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Mary, 
Did you know what was happening? Did you know the breadth of what was being given to you? Do you know what is happening in this situation, Mary? Do you see the promise? Do you see the majesty? You're about to have the Son of God birth within you, Mary. Do you know what's happening here? Do you have any grasp on the weight of this? And I'm sure there's no way she could have known. She couldn't have known the scale of it. But the Bible is clear that she responded like this. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She said, I don't understand the breadth of it. I don't understand the scale of it. I can't understand the majesty of this. I can't see how it's going to work out. But God, if you say it, let it be to me according to your word. You've spoken it. Let it be in me. Now, God is speaking here today. And he is speaking hope and life. He is challenging you. He is calling you. He's calling you out of where you've been. He's calling you out of your depression, out of your darkness, out of your conflict, out of your pain, out of your uncertainty, and out of your doubt. And he is speaking truth to you. He's speaking to me too. And you're wrestling with it. You can't figure it all out. You can't see how it would come to be. And you can't see how it could play out. And you've got a because in your mind, just like Mary did. But I've never been with a man. And you're saying things like, but I don't see how that could ever happen. I don't see how you could do that, God. You've got it all. And the thing that we have to do is do what Mary did. God, I can't even begin to take in the scale of what you've said to me. But let it be to me according to your word. If you call me forgiven, let it be to me. I'm forgiven. If you've spoken peace to me, let it be to me. If you say I am a partaker of the divine nature, let it be to me. Let me believe let me believe it is true. Let it be to me. Do you know what God is saying to you today? Do you know the scale of it? The vastness of it? He's speaking. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. Would you say in your heart, let it be to me? Would you stay with me this morning? I love this part of our time together because I know God's speaking. And this is our time to respond. This is where it becomes real. This is the part where we respond. Would you have a heart to say like Mary? God, I can't even begin to grasp the greatness of what you're saying to me. The glory of it. The scale of it. But may it be to me. Would you bow your heads?